Welcome back to the lounge. Now, I love having this guest on the show. She's so informative. She's great to talk to. It's Dr. Helen McCarthy, also known as the Appetite Doctor, who is a regular to the lounge. Welcome back to NLive Radio. Thank you, Audrey. Great to be here. It's always so interesting to talk with you. And we talked about your causes previously when it comes to managing our weight, managing our appetite and getting a little bit more in touch with ourselves. But what I wanted to ask you about was one of the more unique aspects is that many of your causes are actually aimed at professionals, not only people who are wanting to lose weight, but really people who are trying to help others with weight management. Can you tell me a little bit more about why this is so important and why that help needs to be there for practitioners? Mm -hmm. Well, there are so many different professionals involved in helping people around weight loss and changing how they eat. So as I developed appetite retraining, I increasingly was um, discussing issues around weight loss with colleagues, usually on social media, actually online, as well as new colleagues that I was um, coming into contact with, as well as people I already knew. And what was really clear was that just like me, when I came into this field, they weren't familiar with all the research on eating an appetite that is out there. Well, it's, it's not entirely out there. Maybe that's the point. There's really interesting research that's been done all over the country, all over the world on things that influence how we eat. So increasingly, professionals were talking to me about understanding this all a bit more and learning all, a bit more about it. So alongside creating courses for a general audience, I've also created specific courses for professionals. So it's be basically because as well as me finding this, professional colleagues know that what stops a lot of us and our clients losing weight is often to do with how we navigate our modern food environment, given how we evolved to deal with really different circumstances. That is very interesting. And you've touched on some of the answer to this next question, because where has our conventional wisdom gone wrong when it comes to weight management in modern day? And this can be point of view of the experts, but also our own individual weight management? Mm. Well, I think that the key thing is that in the 21st century, we've surrounded by challenges in relation to food and eating that we've never had before. So in years gone by, there wasn't an oversupply of food, there weren't highly processed foods engineered for particular um, experiences of intense pleasure. So we're now in an environment where we've got a huge availability of, or some of us are um, dealing with the over-availability of food, not everybody by any means, but um, the availability, the portion sizing has changed and that's much, uh, portion sizes are now larger than they've been before. And there's this sort of Moorishness that's engineered into our food. So I think that the, the thing that we need to remember is that food now is a bit like a very cheap legal drug that we sometimes that we don't need a prescription for. Mm. So 
we I think we need to come to the issue of weight loss, recognising this and actually addressing these challenges, trying to address these challenges head on, really, about how we deal with this new world. That's a very powerful metaphor you've used there, that food is this available almost drug-like substance Mm -hmm. because of how some foods have been overly, overly processed. And so immediately, because we've got that crossover between when I feel sad, if I actually have something sugary, it may make me feel better. That's a real issue that a lot of us are trying to face. We're almost trying to deal with one emotion by creating another emotion but that's not been particularly healthy and to to sort of go on with how we're how you're re-educating people how can you get them to be a little bit kinder to themselves so almost explaining to them hang on a minute the world around you is set up to make you think in those ways the world around you is set up to make you act in those ways how can we help people take that more um, self-care, nurturing approach to to managing weight? Well, I think you've sort of hit the nail on the head there, really. I think it's got a lot to do with um, sharing information and understanding about the fact that these challenges are quite new and none of us has really got all the answers to how we navigate this new world. But... Once we understand, the more you understand, I think, about the um, the challenges produced by this interface of plentiful processed food and our ancient biology and psychology, the more it makes a bit of sense, really. And that's certainly something that people have said who've come on my um, online course have said that um, it really helps them make actually feel much more optimistic about making changes but it also helps to reduce some of the shame that they felt before about not being able to do what other people that they know seem to be able to do. That's a big thing actually because you you almost look around and everyone who's promoting something it always seems to be so easy and then you try and do it and we're not just talking about a modern world where there's so many challenges with food but just stressors and things that we're involved in in your own experience and your practice what are some of those main challenges that we're facing when it comes to really eating a healthy diet weight management and and maintaining that healthy weight well i think that the, I think you're absolutely right that it's not just around food that we've got new challenges. And so we're continually trying to deal with all sorts of other things, like how we deal with um, uh, things like social media, how we deal with um, all sorts of stimulating or understimulating sort of um, situations and apparently easy solutions. But those easy solutions can lead to a lot of um, trouble sometimes. So the main challenges that have come up time and time again and that I've really focused on are the first challenge is about overeating, how easy it is for us to overconsume. If we are not in in a situation where we are experiencing food poverty, we may well be experiencing the opposite. We may well be experiencing excessive 
availability of food. And because things are now served in larger and larger portions, we've got used to eating larger and larger amounts of food and thinking that that is um, a normal amount of food because that's what we, if we go out to eat, that's what we're served. Or if we go to a supermarket, that's how things are packaged. So the difficulty partly is how to one thing is about portion size it's how to how to work out what portion size actually suits our own biology and our own things like our own you know the how active we are or how um what age we are what sort of um job we have what sort of lifestyle so there is something about amount but there's also the difficulty of if you are eating something that is being designed to be really intensely Moorish. How do you stop? It's like it's not as easy as as just thinking. I'll stop when I've had enough because there's all sorts of things that make us just keep going on. So that's the first thing I would say. That's huge, actually, because just thinking about Moorish foods, I know I can get something is usually something sweet and I will say to myself oh I'm not that hungry I will just have half of it and then I just think well another spoonful's not gonna yes. hurt and by the end of it I've eaten the whole thing and yes. that might be lunch whereas I could have saved some of that for dinner mm. and been just as satisfied but mm. something is compelling me to keep yes. going even when I'm already full yes and that's that's definitely I think it's a sort of different factors conspiring to make us do that one is that the food is really moorish one of us one one of these reasons is as you say it's like a little bit more won't make that much difference and logically that's true i mean that is true but um when we keep doing it or also when we do things day in day out they do add up to making a difference don't they yep absolutely is so is that one of the key things it's about teaching us to navigate um i guess listen to our body yes. a bit better and yes. and respect our body a bit more in yes. in, in many ways because yes. one thing i thought you that was really good that you mentioned earlier was you talked about being understimulated now in the workplace this is something that we're just kind of talking about we know about burnout we know about so we know about overeating actually mm-hmm. um but we have just learned in the workplace about rust out and this is a Paula mm. Coles um word and this is where we're understimulated and we're bored and we're feeling a bit meh and stressed and but it still causes certain behaviors to happen and boredom and understimulation almost a habitual quick fix to that is grabbing something to eat doing something right. with my hands doing something with my mouth and that mm. that's quite problematic isn't yeah. it really it is. And that's really interesting because um, I only know that term from you, rust out, but it really resonates a lot that um, that must be something that people are experiencing commonly. And the the key, I think something that's really helpful to understand about why we reach for food when we are understimulated or bored is that the food in the way that it stimulates us brings us brings our nervous system back into a more comfortable state so we don't like being overstimulated and we don't like being understimulated. Both of those states are registered by our nervous system as um, out of the, it's called the window of tolerance, but I mean, it's out of what's comfortable. 
And so if we fall below what's comfortable and we are bored, then anything that helps to uh, sort of perk us up a little bit, and that could be, it could be food, it could be um, having a bet on an online, you know, that's something yes. that's really troubling at the moment is the rise of online gambling. So, but these things are very quick, stimulating things. Or we might, you know, there's lots of things that we might do, but mm. certainly food is is one of those things. And, it, you know, when you compare it with online gambling, I'd say it, it's perhaps a lot less damaging, actually, for many of us. Yes, yeah, I know what you're saying. But actually, in the long run, it might not be in, in some ways because it can that can cause a huge strain on our bodies and yes. physically and have impacts on our, our physical health. Yeah. And another thing I know we've spoken about before, but I'm just reminded because my husband mentioned it um, recently. I know that this, this feeling of not having eaten, it feels awful. And I know I get hangry mm-hmm. and then I want to eat in anticipation of that. And my husband just said <laughs> to me, he said, well, you're not hangry, you're anxious. <laughs> I just thought that was so <laughs> funny. Nice. Yes. It was just such That's a great brilliant. way of putting it. And yeah. this is something that is it's an issue, isn't it? I eat in yeah. anticipation. Of yes, it. absolutely. Because we do get, um, strangely, even though we've got plenty of, food around us compared with how we evolved as human beings when there was certainly not plenty of food around us in the same way highly energy dense foods were not around us in the same way and um what has been what is naturally associated with being hungry is a state of anxiety Mm. or it create it can create anxiety but in our modern world we still can have that anxious response even though there's there's no real need to feel anxious. But if we do feel anxious, we're going to act on that to try and reduce the anxiety. So it's a bit like unlearning the association between, well, it, well I, actually, I call this type of eating insurance policy eating, that you are trying to insure yourself against being hungry later. Yeah. And the the thing about that is that if you are wanting to lose weight, then your insurance policy against being hungry later, because of the way the appetite system works, is actually your stored fat. You've got a store of, of energy, which means that if you do get hungry, your body will um, dip into that. It's more complicated than that, but let's say it's like this. Yeah. Um, so it'll dip into that and burn off a little bit of fat if you allow yourself to get a bit hungry yes. and that if you know if you if you're wanting to lose weight is is exactly what you want so learning a bit more about how the appetite system works and being able to remember that actually feelings of hunger do actually come and go they don't it's not a uh, it's not an inexorable rise in levels of hunger as you get hungry the hunger is telling your brain that you need more food and if you don't actually eat something it it dips it as i say it dips into its own energy stores and burns a bit of energy this is so fascinating and actually this is a whole other part of anxiety which i mean it's mental health awareness month and 
we are talking about anxiety. That's the theme. But the yeah. thing is, we don't often talk about this type of anxiety, which then causes other anxieties later on when it has an impact on our body. Do you think the issue is actually to do with losing weight? Or do you think it's more to do with changing our relationship with food or even changing our relationship with ourselves to create mm. that healthy lifestyle? Mm. I think it's all of the above for many of us, right? I think it's it, it it may well be. And when you change one of these things, whether it's um you change your relationship with food or you change your relationship with yourself or you change your size by losing weight, the others are likely to change too. So these they are all interrelated. And one thing that, that I think is is worth mentioning when people are particularly when people are extremely focused on losing weight which is that if you are maybe laser focused on losing weight it might be that you don't necessarily notice ways in which your relationship with food and your relationship with yourself is changing and what this is about is about adjusting to the changes as they happen so Psychological adjustment is is really interesting and important natural process that we go through when we experience changes and transitions in life. And weight loss is certainly a transition like that or that sort of change. I love that because, and you're really right, because I think as, say, your body gets stronger or more capable, you feel healthier, if you haven't really adjusted to that psychologically, you can almost be seeing yourself as the person who just started it. So again, it's it's my husband to thank for this. Um, I've been not pushing myself as far as I would running recently. Yeah. I've just got a bit lazy. It's been a bit colder. It's that kind of thing. And he says, yeah, you just got to go and do it. You are fit enough to do it. You've just got to remind yourself that you can do that extra yes kilometer or whatever it is and it 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 really is I did it at the start of this week and was just kind of yeah I I can manage this and this is the same with with the bodily changes or your relationship with food we need to make that shift how how do you help people with that just being aware or yeah no that's a lovely example actually that's exactly uh, it that we can we can perceive ourselves as not able to do something and and the way that I suggest people uh, do this is is an extremely simple thing which is just to keep asking yourself what does the fact that I've just done this tell me about myself so that you are starting to make these like a bit like a cogwheel moving around click by click by click it's very it may be very sort of gradual but it's tiny steps towards seeing yourself a bit differently and that's helpful because I have heard of people before losing quite a considerable amount of weight. And when they've got to their goal weight, they've just not felt like themselves at all. It's been like a, a sort of disconnection. So it hasn't felt right. And when you when you don't feel right, something's got to change. Something will change. Either the perception of yourself will change or your you'll maybe go, go back. back yeah and and go somewhere more comfortable in terms of self-perception so so just being able to think something like 
I can actually run that extra thing. So, and that becomes, I am somebody who can run that extra distance. And that then becomes, I am a whatever distance runner. It gradually, it becomes more part of our identity. But the first step is what does it tell me? What have I just noticed about myself? Even, even if I have to say, Today, I managed to run that because it, it might be like a bit, it might feel a bit scary to say, I can do it now. Mm. But once you can do something once, it's like, oh, okay, there's a possibility that you can do it again. That is very powerful, not just for fitness or yes. weight management, but it, every aspect of our lives, every change that we make. Yes. That's so important. And, and almost as children, we innately learned to do that. So we went from not being able to walk to knowing we could crawl to knowing we could pull ourselves up to knowing we could stand up and walk and run and skip and play That's and right. dance. But as children, we're almost making those those changes yes. ourselves naturally. We seem to have forgotten this as adults. We've, yes. we've got ourselves into this rut where we are. This is who I am. And yes. that's quite a dangerous place that, to be. No, I think that's true. I think it's tempting to think um as adults that we are stable in some way, that we are um, the same across the lifespan. But actually, as you know, there are different stages of life through the, the first few stages of life happen during childhood and adolescence. But the, you know, the other stages of life happen during adulthood and um, middle age and older age. And each of the, each of those stages involves growth and change and this process that I'm talking about, about adjustment, is, is as much a feature. Well, when I say as much a feature, we're not changing and developing at the same rate, of course, as we are as children. But we, we are still changing. But we don't necessarily feel like that. Because ask most, uh, in my experience, ask most 70-year-olds how old they fit or, you know, what is it like to feel 70? And they say, well, I feel like I did when I was 15 or when I was 20. So the internal experience is, is of sort of consistency, but there's definitely along the way, people do make adjustments and, and you can get a bit stuck actually. For some people, clinical psychologists will be are very familiar with, with uh, some people coming for help because they get stuck with a particular transition or a particular change in life. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Helen, as always, I could talk to you forever. Uh, I'm so sad that I can't. Where can we learn more about you, sign up for your causes, learn more about ourselves as well, please? Yeah. Um, The website, my website is called theappetitedoctor.co.uk. And on there... Our detail, well, my blog is on there and I write my blog about all aspects of the psychology of eating and appetite and weight loss, including some of the things that want, there's one blog from a while ago on there actually about adjustment. So I do weave these other things, other things about psychology in, but I've also created a course which is called Appetite Retraining, a kind and sustainable approach to weight loss, which I am. Um, really thrilled with because people who've done the course have found that it's made such a difference to the way that they see themselves as well as their ability to make changes to their eating and as a result what they weigh and the changes 
as the title says, are sustainable because they're about habit change. So that the details of that course are on the website, as are the professionals courses. Details are on the website, too. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Dr. Helen. And please come back on the show again. Yeah, no, it's great to talk to you, Audrey. Thank you so much for having me. And that's all we have time for. But if you'd like to find out more, do go to my website, which is www.draudreyt.com and check out my articles, which give you practical tools to live your best life. Or you can go to my YouTube channel, which is Dr. Audrey Tang, Tools to Thrive.